Welcome to the Opinionated SEO, where we talk about recent news and updates in the digital marketing world of SEO, paid advertising, and social media that impact you as a marketer. I'll also throw some of my opinion into the mix. Today, I want to talk about a couple things that have come up over time and I have kind of a strong opinion about. Number one, acronyms and abbreviations in our industry. Two, the phrase link juice. And three, domain authority. Let's start out talking about acronyms and abbreviations. One of the few things that I don't use an acronym for is SEO and URL. Those are pretty much common knowledge, I think, amongst everyone, even non-marketers. Everything else I do to my best ability to use the full wording. Some acronyms in marketing that I talk about, not everyone may be 100% familiar with. A lot of times it can really lose people who maybe aren't as familiar with what we do on an everyday basis. Even things like ROI or PPC or MVP, you've heard those and maybe you're really familiar with those. And then there's some that might be really specific to a subset of SEO. For example, NAP, N-A-P. A lot of people may not know what that stands for, and that's because it's really tied to local SEO. And maybe if you're a technical SEO or you do more content marketing, it may just not be something that you're as familiar with. So I do my best not to use acronyms. And if I do, I like to make sure that I read it out after I say it so that from then on, if I do use it, you've already been referenced. So what I have is actually a list of about 25, 30 acronyms and what each of them actually are for marketing. This isn't really meant to be much more than just a FYI. Oh, there's another one. Look at that. So that stands for for your information. Maybe that one's super common and I don't have to worry about that. But if you're a little bit newer in the industry, you may not have been exposed to some of them. Maybe you haven't worked with a sales team, so you don't know what an MQL is. Maybe you haven't worked too much with products or with startups and you don't know what an MVP is. If you haven't worked with local SEO, you may not know what NAP is. So again, I'm going to go through some of these and maybe they'll be helpful for you. If not, go ahead and just skip right past to the next section. I'm going to do my best to go in alphabetical order. I jotted these down and let's start with B2B and that means business to business. So that's going to be company marketing to other companies. The next is B2C, which is business to consumer. That's typically what you're going to see. Your Coca-Colas, Pepsis, things like that, they're going after consumers. They're not trying to get businesses to buy their product. CCTLD stands for Country Code Top Level Domain. So that's going to be like mydomain.co.uk, mydomain.ca. So it's a country specific, that last part of your domain instead of something like mydomain.com. So that's CCTLD. CTR is click-through rate. So that's your number of clicks that you get versus your impressions. So how many times someone clicked on it over what they actually saw. And it's a ratio. And usually you see that on search result pages. DA domain authority. This is a metric created by the SEO company Moz on the quality or the likelihood of something ranking and its numerical value from zero to a hundred. I actually go into a little bit more detail later on about that. GA stands for Google Analytics, which is just about one of the most popular pieces of code that you're going to put on your site to measure traffic. GSC is Google Search Console. It's one of the tools that Google provides to give you some insights into how your website's performing on the search engine. 
It used to be called Webmaster Tool, so WMT. Sometimes in older documentation or blog posts, you may see that. This is where you would submit sitemaps and also see any errors or penalties from Google. GTM is Google Tag Manager. A lot of code can be put into Google Tag Manager, and it's a single line of code that then goes onto your website, making it easier to manage. A lot of these codes are things like tracking, Facebook pixels, or even chat widgets. Oftentimes, you'll use Google Tag Manager as an easier interface than having to have your development team implement it. H1, H2, H3, these are heading tags on a web page built in HTML. They have some special weight to them and are part of a lot of SEO strategies. HTML is hypertext markup language. It's pretty much the most basic code for a web page. MQL is a marketing qualified lead. This is typically a lead that comes in, but they've been qualified in some way where maybe they filled out a form saying they'd like a phone call, or maybe they've been highly responsive to multiple things. They've watched a webinar, asked for someone to reach out, things like that. An MQL is usually one of your highly qualified leads that comes in that a sales team gets. As an SEO, we want our traffic to create as many MQLs as possible. So when you say, I'm bringing in leads, your marketing department and your sales department may want a marketing qualified lead because it's just that much better. This is the acronym that set this whole thing up that I saw. I think it was Twitter. It may have been a LinkedIn post where they said, what does MVP mean to your industry? Depending on what industry you're in, maybe if you're in the sports industry, you're into sports, you go MVP is most valuable player. MVP for many startups, product managers, means minimum viable product. And typically what that is, is a product that you can release that may not be 100% ready, but it's out there for end users. A lot of times this is something maybe in a beta stage. It's past that alpha internal testing and it's ready to go and be used. When Gmail launched on April 1st, by the way, It was really an MVP. It wasn't a final product. It was very much a beta product, but really it was an MVP. And so they pushed it out. And a lot of times you'll see people push out an MVP to be first to market. NAP or NAP stands for name, address, and phone number. Very often used for people who do local SEO as the NAP needs to be consistent across many different areas as you create things like citations or listings. You want to make sure that your name is spelled the exact same everywhere. Your address doesn't have any differences. Is street spelled out or is it ST? Things like that. And your phone number is aligned. Those things just all add a lot of consistency to your information out there on the web. So you'll hear a lot of people say, but what's your NAP consistency? It's making sure that everything looks the same across the board. Imagine if you changed your name or you moved addresses. That's something that you would really work hard on. PPC is pay-per-click, and that's ads typically from a search engine results page. So it's having your ads when they pay per click. It's paid advertising, and that can be used in a lot of different areas, not just on Google. PSA is a public service announcement. And I say that sometimes at the end of these, I'm like, and a PSA, da-da-da-da-da, and it's a piece of advice. So it's a little maybe a colloquialism, but a PSA is typically some kind of public service announcement that a company or an organization or a government might put out there to educate and inform. And in an informal setting like this, when I'm talking to you, I might say, 
And a PSA on acronyms is try not to use them if you're talking to someone that's not familiar with the industry. QA stands for quality assurance. And think of this really, it's going through a QA process, or I sent this to QA. The idea is that someone is taking a look and making sure that there's no issues. They're running through some testing. It may be automated testing. It may be manually in there. It might be crowdsourced where they send it out to a group of beta testers and ask them to QA this item that they're working on and give feedback on any issues they see. ROI is return on investment. So how much money did you spend on this and how much money did you make and understanding that difference? Return on ad spend is ROAS and that's really more how much did you spend on ads? How much did you bring in? So similar kind of concept, different acronyms. SaaS, S-A-A-S, is software as a service. So instead of having the software installed on your computer, Think of it more like software on the cloud, things like Canva and even Gmail. The SEO for that is very specific to signups as opposed to things like leads. SEM is search engine marketing. I think commonly this is more along the paid side, but really this could be more generically thought of as any kind of marketing that you do for search engines. So that can sometimes include SEO, but typically I've found that when you reference SEM, you're talking about the paid side of marketing on search engines. SEO, search engine optimization. Okay, guys, we should all know this, but it's really just a marketing campaign to get visibility in that organic section of the Google, Bing, or whichever search engine results. SERP, S-E-R-P. This is search engine results page. When you search for something, whatever page comes up, that's considered a SERP. Some people might say we were the fifth position on the SERP for this keyword search. Well, you now know that that means on the search engine result page. It can be any search engine. This isn't just for Google. SMB is small and medium business. This means you're not working with enterprise. This can be anything from your mom and pop. It could be small franchise. It could be a medium-sized business that's doing tens of millions of dollars of business, but they're not quite to that enterprise level. TLD is top-level domain. So we talked about CCTLD, which is a country-specific one. This is just referencing the top-level part of the domain, not the left side of the dot, but the right side of the dot. Examples of this are .com, .net, .org. UI is user interface, and that's really just the visual representation of the site and how users will be interfacing with it. URL is uniform resource locator, And I think we all just kind of know that as what is the web page's name. The URL is something.com. USP is unique selling point or unique selling proposition. This is often used in the content side and a really big part of the SEO portion where you're differentiating yourself within the content. And it's supposed to be what unique things do you have from your company, your product, that set you apart from the competition and why someone would be interested. This is especially useful for descriptions because those are visible on the SERPs. And so that can help with your CTRs and see how all these acronyms jump in there. And if I were to say that over again, the unique selling propositions are very important to have in your meta descriptions so that on your search engine result pages, when you see the description, it can help with your click-through rate. Same sentence, with and without acronyms. Both work, one takes twice as long to say, 
but for someone that's less familiar, it may be helpful. UTM is Urchin Tracking Module. So Urchin was the predecessor to Google Analytics. So UTM, so Urchin Tracking Module is really just parameters that you send from a URL that help you identify where that came from. So if it was in a newsletter, you would maybe have newsletter as one of your sources, or if it was a paid ad, or it came from a third-party site, you can add UTM tracking parameters. And in Google Analytics, GA, you'd be able to see where those were coming from and how much traffic you were getting. UX is user experience, and that's as people utilize the page and click through and actually work through the page and you tracking and measuring and understanding how they're actually using the page and ideally making adjustments. VR is virtual reality. And as we start looking more and more into things like the metaverse and people utilizing web and interfacing in different ways, VR is becoming more and more common. XML stands for Extensible Markup Language. And this is a very specifically formatted but flexible format for files often used in our industry for sitemaps. Y2K is year 2000. I only bring that one up because I had a podcast about that a couple weeks ago. And thinking about it, a lot of our audience may not have lived through Y2K, or maybe they were four or five years old. So it may not be an acronym that they were actually familiar with. There are also a lot of numbers involved. I'll just give a couple of the top ones. And these are responses from servers based off of an issue or a positive outcome. Let's take a look at these. 301 means resource moved permanently. And that's a permanent redirect code to a new location or a domain. So it's permanent. 302 is resource moved temporarily. And that's a temporary redirect code to a new location or domain. When you're changing the URL of a page, if it was just a temporary thing, you use 302. If it's permanent, you do 301. You find these a lot with migrations. 404 is resource or page not found, meaning that page is no longer there. So if you are moving things around, maybe it is part of a migration, and you did not put in a 301 or 302 redirect, it would likely come up as a 404. And this is telling Google that page no longer exists. And so now Google has to find the new one, but it doesn't know that this old one is now in this new location. And that makes things a lot harder and you have a higher likelihood of losing ranking. 500 server error. This usually means that there's a problem either with the server or with the underlying code of the page and it could not be displayed. When that happens, and it happens long enough, Google will remove that from your index. The last is 503. The server is unavailable. Usually this is a temporary response to overloading or maintenance. This is something that we talked about from the office hours about a week or so ago. If you are ever having an issue, maybe it's AWS. Oh, that's a new one I didn't put in there. That's Amazon Web Services. Think of Amazon as the hosting company for your website. If they go down, which they did a few times over the last month or two for 12, 14 hours, if you are able to put a 503 page up there that the server's unavailable, Google will understand that and it won't make any changes to your ranking. If you have it as a 500 or a 404, 
that can actually remove those pages from the index rather quickly. Always have that 503 as a backup in case something major happens. With that said, I do my best not to use acronyms or abbreviations as much as possible. However, I don't catch them all. And I'd really implore you to try to do that, especially if you're posting somewhere public, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, not your entire audience may be as in tune with the acronyms for SEO and marketing. Always err on the side of making sure that you don't lose people who might otherwise be able to help you out a little bit or come up with some unique ideas because they just didn't understand your acronym. Well, that was acronyms. I want to talk about a phrase that's been around for a while, and I never really liked it. It's called link juice, and it's slang for link equity, which is really just a fancy way of saying authority derived from links. You can just say authority, link equity, or link authority. The term is often confused with PageRank, which was the basis of Google's algorithm. Now, PageRank sounds like a nice term, but did you actually know that the name PageRank plays on the name of developer Larry Page? Anyways, the term link juice seemed to reach an all-time high around 2006 and has slowly been winding down since about 2014 and fairly plateaued for the last eight years. I'm glad to see it being phased out more and more. The term itself has merit, what it stands for. I just don't like the actual phrasing of it. As someone who's a big proponent of internal link structures as well as earning backlinks, I think we've just outgrown the slang terms in the industry, and I think we can adopt more professional terms. Now, the last part of my opinionated rant is domain authority. This actually came up from a tweet by Rand Fishkin, formerly of Moz. Now, it was a term that was coined at Moz by Rand Fishkin about 10 years ago, around 2012. I don't have the exact date, but that's when it first shows up on Google Trends. Domain authority was used to help approximate where a site should rank based on a 0 to 100 score. 10 years ago, this aligned pretty well with the search engine result pages, SERPs. You would often see higher DA or domain authority sites ranking at the top, while the number would slowly go down as you went down the result page. So it aligned really well, and it was really useful to say, hey, our competitor is here, we're here, let's do some extra things to increase our DA and go above them, and we likely would see that. It was great to see how much your competition was ahead of you and what your competitive landscape looked like. It was common knowledge that getting a link from a high domain authority site would be better than a low domain authority site, and you still see this today. Google used to have a page rank toolbar, which would tell you your rank from 0 to 10. This was heavily based on backlinks, and over time, was actually getting easy to game. Google discontinued the toolbar in any public indication of a site's page rank metric in about 2016. The power of the metric domain authority really came into its own as the toolbar went away and SEOs were looking for an overall metric that they could use. And there's the issue. This is a metric that approximates Google's algorithm. It uses about a dozen factors as well as the backlink data from Moz's Link Explorer. And I hope you're catching what I'm saying here. Google uses something like 200 factors, which is still kind of unconfirmed, but that's a good approximation, and has what I'd say the largest index of site, so the largest database of backlinks. Moz's version 2.0 of DA, Domain Authority, came out in 2019 and uses machine learning to help model the number to what they actually see on Google, but again, this isn't 
Google's data. DA is not a ranking factor, and though it's an approximation, it has value only in seeing best guesses on how your site is doing against others. I'll give you an example of the main site I work on. We have a domain authority of 69 out of 100, while our next competitor is about 60. We have a 59% visibility for our main keywords, while they have a 2.4% visibility, and this is across the same keywords. This is often called a vanity metric. That is, any metric that looks good on paper but doesn't really do anything for your business goals. Stick to things that matter to your business. Leads, conversions, engaged traffic are all things that are measurable that tell you how you are doing. Make sure to always measure year over year so seasonality doesn't affect you. When someone mentions a high domain authority site, remember that's just a flashy number, it's just a vanity metric that's based on guesses and doesn't really mean anything. I'll see you tomorrow where we're going to do a little bit of a recap on the SEO office hours and also a new API that just came out for Search Console that you can use to get status of the indexation of your site and pages. Until tomorrow. 